I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and this is The Last Best Thing. It's an interview show centered around one question. What is the last best thing you've watched, read, listened to, or eaten, or in this case, done? And I ask this question because people love sharing whatever they're enthusiastic about, and I love hearing about it. In today's show, I am joined by my good friend, Andy. Hi, uh, I'm Andy Oliver. Andy is a longtime friend. We actually bonded initially over our mutual love of the Nintendo GameCube. So we are both huge nerds and uh, we both have similar careers where we're just sitting in front of a computer and staring at it all day doing weird calculations that are hard to explain. Uh, so it was really good to have him on. And during the show, he spoke to me about the last best thing he's done. And the last best thing I did was assemble a, a Gundam, the Gundam Stormbringer Fatal Ash. From there, we spoke about the hobby as a whole, its background in anime culture, building things with your hands. And then the conversation took a turn towards coffee and coffee drinking and coffee snobbery. And I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot here. I hope you enjoy it too. And yeah, I hope you get into it, into either Gunpla or coffee. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Andy. Andy. Yes. Gunpla. I don't mm-hmm. know if I, pronou- if I pronounced it correctly, but- You got it. All right. That's Gunpla, right. tell me about it specifically, this, this bad boy that you just built. Okay, okay. So we're diving right into it. Right into it. So Gunpla stands for Gundam Plastic Model, um, which is, I I don't know how weeby your audience is or not, uh, but they might have some familiarity with it or not. But it's not to be confused with Gunkata, which is the the gun (laughs) martial art thing. From From the hit uh, motion picture Equilibrium. (laughs) That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, um, if you've ever seen like in in pop culture, a movie or something that there's a stereotypical nerd or something working on his computer or hacking away, you might see like this plastic Japanese fighting robot in the background. Uh, That's what we're talking about here. It's it's a plastic model of a robot typically from the, uh, the Bandai property Gundam. Yeah. Uh, and the way I describe it is it's basically slightly more complicated Legos. <laughs> uh, they come as a whole bunch of pieces in a box, but they're attached to these runners or, or sprues, whatever you want to call it. And you kind of just cut them out with little nipper tools and then snap them together just like Legos. There's no glue or anything necessary. But at the end of it, you know, you don't just have the static Lego thing. You have like a moving, cool fighting robot guy that can do poses and shoot guns and shit like that. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to step in right here, Andy, Mm -hmm. and say that they're not robots. They are mobile suits. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad. One of us brought this up, Rod. Okay, so first of all, yes, yes, yes. You're going to, man, you're already going to call me out on this, huh? Okay, so mobile suits, there is, which I just learned because I'm also kind of a poser here. I never really watched the Gundam series. Okay, okay. There's a distinction between a Gundam and a mobile suit. Yes, there um, is. Yeah, so mobile suits are like anything that has like legs and it's kind of like a walking tanks, mm-hmm. a walking tank. Gundams in particular are like um, a specific type, like special mobile suits. And I think in the in the show, 
like it's always the good guys that have Gundams. Yeah. Uh, and they're made out of. <laughs> yeah, it, this is. Oh man, we're already doing the the anime shit. Um, <laughs> they're made out of special material typically like yes. i think in one of them they're gundarium i think in another series it's 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 like gundaminium or something like yeah. that in the in the one that i like the most in gundam wing it's called gundanium alloy gundanium. yep <laughs> oh god and whenever i see that i kind of cringe to myself but whatever it's fine um but theoretically there's a reason behind why that's important is because it makes them super strong yeah it makes them super light and, and uh mobile and things like that so yeah so it's like you said it's fancy lego kits or model kits right yep. yep um and there's a huge fan base for this of people that are into assembling them that mm -hmm. don't watch the anime right so that's me yeah, yeah so that's where you fit in because when so I used to watch Gundam Wing back in the mm -hmm. day, mm -hmm. and I got my favorite Gundams as model kits and built them and then kind of like had them there for display. But for me, it was always about liking the show. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what drew you first to it, um, considering you hadn't watched the show? Yeah, yeah. So I've always, I've always been kind of Gundam adjacent. Yeah. Like I like I mentioned, and I think your audience can tell already, <laughs> I'm deep in that weave culture. So I've always seen Gundams kind of in the periphery of things. Yeah. But it wasn't one of those things that I ever did as a kid, right? Like I think in El Paso, there's growing up in El Paso, there's not really a lot of places where you would see them. Like you wouldn't just see them in a toy store. You'd have to go to like a specialty shop. Yeah. Now you can like find them at Target, I think. <laughs> um, so I was always adjacent to Gundams, but I never actually bothered to try that mm. um and then a few years ago we went to my wife's parents for christmas uh and i guess like <laughs> her parents are like oh andy's kind of a weave he he probably <laughs> likes gundams and they got me this one kit it's it's the master grade um oh man i'm blanking on it uh perfect strike what one of those mm. um and it was kind of a shock to me and i'm like oh yeah i've seen these yeah i'll try this out <laughs> um and little did i know that it was hard man it, it was a thing like i'm like oh boy this is really difficult and mm. it took me several hours and days to to work on it um but by the end of it i'm like huh this this looks pretty cool but yeah. i kind of stopped there and i didn't really uh come back to it for a couple years and so like a couple years later um it's kind of like one of those movies that you watch and then you're the more you think about it you're like yeah you know what that movie's okay that was pretty good <laughs> it was kind of like that with the gundam mm. where just a few years later i was looking at the gundam that i had built and i was like you know what that was that was kind of fun i <laughs> i'm kind of craving doing that again and so i dove back into it and i bought a my next Gundam and had a really good time with that. And then bought the next Gundam and each time you get a little bit better at it, you get a little bit faster with it. Um, mm. and it eventually just became this, um, kind of like very Zen experience where you right. can just sit down, put on a, a podcast or, or a TV show or just listen to music. Um, and you're cutting out plastic pieces and following these, ikea instructions basically <laughs> uh 
uh, and at the end of it, you have this awesome looking robot and yeah. You know that's that's subjective, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm I'm <laughs> suspecting, you know, for a, a large portion of your audience, it's kind of a non-starter. They're like an awesome-looking robot thing. That 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 doesn't sound right. But for me, it's very cool to have a robot that can dab. Uh, I and don't. You can. Yeah, uh -huh. I don't. I don't think there is. I don't think there's anyone who could realistically look at a giant robot and not think that's cool. You know, I know people that didn't like Pacific Rim, and I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I guess, but yes, I, I agree with you, Rod. Yeah, it's it, like it's like a big fire, a big fire, right? Like a bonfire. You just yeah, look at that and like, yeah, that yeah. is cool. <laughs> I feel the same way about giant robots. You're like, oh, yeah, giant yeah. metal man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am a hundred percent on that wavelength, Rod. But I, I will say that sort of has become more mainstream recently, right? Like anime has really entered the mainstream. Uh, yeah, but you know, even even in Western, I guess this is eastern but brought over to the western mm -hmm. the power mm -hmm. rangers had a giant robot that, that's true yes they the did zords or whatever were just giant robots and they used them and they were they were essentially mobile suits you know that's piloted true. by that's five true. people so it's <laughs> there you, yeah. yeah and like you mentioned i think you mentioned gundam wing earlier that's yeah. kind of the the big one that in, everyone in our generation is kind of familiar with but yeah. there was this long gap where maybe that was just myself going through my teens and 20s where nerd culture and mm. weave culture was kind of more on the the periphery of culture yeah right like yeah definitely yeah uh, again could totally just be my insecurities in my 20s <laughs> wanting to look cool but there was a long time where i stepped away from that kind of thing like where yeah. i i want to avoid being associated with anime and, <laughs> and waifus and things like that yeah. but I, yeah, I, I I can see that for sure. But, you know, it's it's pretty funny that we like you have your in-laws to thank mm -hmm. for getting you into this, <laughs> which is just like, again, it kind of goes into showing that now it's it's like acceptable. You get yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's 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 not something weird. It's like you said, it's like Legos, right? But right. more advanced Legos, much more intricate Legos. So why yeah. not? Why not yeah. have you this? And, and even. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. Uh, even Legos are kind of picking up. I, <laughs> I suspect it's also because of the pandemic and yeah. people can't go out and do stuff and they have all this excess cash to spend it on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I believe Legos have also kind of skyrocketed in popularity recently. Yeah, at least based uh, on my TikTok feed. They have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. And my YouTube algorithm and everything. Like, uh, I have a friend who makes Legos and... Uh, I also feel kind of bad. Like I opened the gate into that. Uh, I know he likes Voltron. And so uh, uh, I got him a Voltron and Lego set. Nice. And then after that, I just saw him buying Lego set after Lego set. I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that the first one you had was mm -hmm. a master grade. Yes. And what is the one that you just built? What was what's the grade on that one? Okay. Also a master grade. So okay. this so is the... Yep. Yeah. What are grades and, and how many are there and what's the difference between one one master grade and a higher yeah. or a lower grade? Excellent question. Okay. So there's a bunch of different grades. I'd say there's maybe six or seven different grades, but the three primary uh, primary grades are high grade, which is the kind of baseline. There's a whole bunch of high grades and those are one to 144 scale. 
meaning mm. it's 144 times smaller than than a, a real Gundam would be. Yeah. Um, the, there's that's probably the biggest selection and the thing that most people do when they start out as kids is you'll do a high grade. Those typically tend to have not that much uh, details, less articulation, things like that. Mm. Uh, master grade is the I'd say it's the second most popular grade, and those are one to one hundredth scale, meaning it's a hundred times smaller. Mm. Uh, these are the master grades are about maybe eight to ten inches, whereas the high grades will be six to eight inches tall. Uh, but the idea behind the master grades is there's a lot more thought and design and uh, details that go into it. Okay. So yeah, you a lot more paneling, a lot more uh, accessories. It's typically a lot more poseable and things like that. Um, and and the third main one is real grade, and that's kind of a mixture between a high grade and a master grade. Okay. Uh, it's also 144 scale, so smaller like the high grades but it attempts to bring like the detailing and posability of a master grade into mm -hmm. that smaller form factor okay so the size is a big thing yes and so how many have you built oh no i'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be a huge gundam you know master Builder. or anything yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh-huh uh, oh man there's some guys who they built dozens or hundreds <laughs> i've maybe built eight or so okay uh yeah yeah so uh, let me see let me count real quick. <laughs> two three four five six seven, eight nine ten. Oh, eight wow. master grades yeah eight master grades and two real grades yeah see i mean that's that's a significant amount considering how much work goes into them and yeah yeah just the amount of focus that it takes to get through them um have have you done any like modifications to them or? Yes. Okay. So that's an, so within the gunpla subculture, there's even smaller subcultures of people mm. who will take a kit and in addition to building it out or cutting it out and building it, they'll go a step farther where they do those modifications that you're referring to. Some of these guys, and I'll shout out like studio G on YouTube, they put so much work, like hundreds of hours of work into it. And they're they're doing things like chiseling in new lines to make it look more detailed. They're doing things like um, building or getting sheets of plastic and cutting out additional pieces to make like the shoulders look bigger or making custom weapons for them. Wow. I've never gone to anything that far. The mm. most I've done was I took one of my Gundams and re uh and repainted it basically okay. uh, i changed it from a red and white color to a orange and black aesthetic so it looks kind of like a like a lamborghini or something okay and i will say that's probably one of the worst things i've ever done <laughs> it was so much work and i just was not prepared for how much work that was going to be it looks cool now but at the time i was just losing my mind and it it was way too much work. So I don't know if I want to do that again. So is it one of those things where you started it and then you, you just couldn't give up because you couldn't leave it in yeah, its mixed yeah, yeah. state? <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? Just like have this monstrosity there? No, I, I absolutely had to finish it. Uh, and also I had invested into a lot of it. I had brought, mm. bought like a spray booth and, and an airbrush and all these paints and everything. And so I was into it. But as I, 
as I was in there, it it started quickly becoming one of these things where you realize you're in over the over your head. But I was, you know, I was committed, man. I gotta finish it. I gotta. <laughs> I can't give up on it like that, especially after you know investing so much into it. <laughs> so you bought all of this stuff for that yeah. mod, and yeah. uh, have you uh, used all of that stuff since, or just like you know, I'm never painting these things again. I've used it for a couple other things. Like I also do mini painting, you know, okay. like painting small goblins and things like that for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so I have used it a, a few other times, but for the most part, it's just collecting dust in uh, <laughs> this closet me and my wife don't speak of because it's <laughs> that's where we put everything that we don't even want to acknowledge. So you also do mini painting. What uh, I do. Does it scratch a different itch than Gunpla? And what would you say that is, if, if yes? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely scratches a similar itch. Yeah. Uh, but it's slightly different because there's a little bit more artistic freedom in what you're doing with mini painting. Uh, primarily, I, I know it sounds really basic, but color choice is even a big thing that Gunpla doesn't necessarily have, unless you want to go that extra step and, and paint the thing. But... Uh, you can paint a mini. There's a lot more skill involved in mini painting, you know, fine motor control, whereas, like I said, Gundam is is basically Legos. You cut it out and snap it together. Uh, but mini painting, there's a lot more, you know, fine motor control and, and, and detailing and techniques and things like that. And, and even within the mini painting world, I, I'm still a, a mega novice compared to some of these guys on YouTube that just are are incredible incredible painters they they could probably be you know brain surgeons but <laughs> but they've decided to apply their skills to to painting warhammer 40k minis mm, okay so it's there's a lot more finesse i would say mm -hmm. involved in in mini painting than yeah just straight up building and in, in right right in yeah it's more of an art than it is building furniture like ikea instructions <laughs> or something okay all right um and then the other thing I kind of want going back to Gunpla itself is mm -hmm. um, what what do you do after you've built it with them? Because I assume you don't just stuff them in the closet that shall not be named, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so typically after you build it is right. Like it can just sit there and go into a closet or whatever. Yeah. But the main thing that you do with it is you want to pose it and mm. make it look cool. Yeah. Um, and so that differs from Gun Gundam to Gundam. Some are just super fragile and you don't want to touch it because it'll explode if you if you even look at it wrong. Uh, <laughs> some of them are really cool and you can it, put them in different action poses and um, different, you know, attach different accessories to them. Yeah. So I know a lot of people that will kind of treat it like a, a piece of, of living art where they'll mm -hmm. go in and repose their Gundams every every week or something like that. But for the most part, I will get it. I'll take some really cool action shots of it. I, I, I even bought a, um, uh, what are they called? A light box so oh, that nice. you can take, take like good looking photos. I, I'm still taking it on my phone camera. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of makes a difference to have a, a nice lighting setup and, and 
put it in this own this own little microcosm of a light box where the rest of the world's you know you can't see my couch in the background <laughs> yeah. uh it's its own thing uh so i'll pose it i'll take some really cool photos and then i'll typically find like the the pose that i think looks the best or the coolest yeah. or the most dynamic whatever it is and then for the most part I'll put it into that one and put it on one of my shelves, and then I'm off to the next Gundam. Cool. Uh, occasionally, I'll go back and repose it, but yeah. that's usually if I've like accidentally knocked it over. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'm here. I might as well repose you. So we have, so you have ten Gundams, all of them doing the dab. Is that correct? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Some of them doing the the suck it sign from <laughs> from D Generation X. X. Yep, yep. Uh huh. No, you know, I think it's. I remember back the to the ones that I built and there is something definitely very rewarding mm -hmm. when you see like the the remnants of of the plastic clips that were holding it you know I don't mm -hmm. know what they're mm -hmm. called like the sheets or whatever yeah yep. when you just see the remnants of that and then you see this totally built thing in front of yes. you that yes. is tangible that can move that has you know certain mass to it that is sturdy that can stand so Mm -hmm. It's it's I totally get why like there's so there's so many people that take pictures about them or do poses with them or do like I've seen stop motion mm -hmm. um, animations coming from them and stuff like that. So it's way cooler than a Lego in that sense, because <laughs> like you said, it, it's it's something that's movable, that's posable and it has heft. So I don't know exactly mm -hmm. how they achieve that, but I think that's something that's that's really cool about building these things yeah I, I think it scratches this kind of primal itch for a lot of people i i think under different circumstances uh i could see myself have gotten into woodworking or mm. you know whittling or something like that um yeah. it, so i live in this tiny you know two-bedroom condo on top of a pizza place i can't exactly have like a band <laughs> saw or anything yeah. Um, so uh, like I said, under different circumstances, I, I can see myself doing something a little more, you know, traditionally mm. viewed as, as a craft. Um, yeah. but I think for people like you and I, Rod, we, we sit in front of a computer all day yeah. and then you want, you want to do something that isn't just, you know, coding or playing video games. You might want something tangible that you can that you can kind of work on and have a product that you can look at afterwards and be proud of it. Yeah. Um, do you, do you get that from anything? I, I know you said you've done Gunpla in the past, but yeah. do you have any like of those manual or, or, you know, physical hobbies that you do? I don't. And you know, that's, that's something that I've been thinking about in during this conversation where it's just like, I think this, this assembling of, of Gunpla achieves like building something with your hands or mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. something with your hands, which is something that humans have been doing for millennia. Right. Yeah. And it's only right. like, it's only in, in the most recent generation where really people could make a living, never touching a tool that is a descendant yeah, yeah, of yeah. another tool. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I do think there is something to that, something missing in that. Uh, but no, I thinking I don't have anything like that currently. I think the closest I have is like playing the drums, but that's not, that's not building anything. That's not really right. creating anything. It's just like, 
smashing things with sticks, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's actually kind of like a, a good jumping off point for the other thing I wanted to discuss with you today. Mm. I, I think you do, and maybe you hadn't realized it, but you are a big coffee fanatic, right? <laughs> uh, you yeah. and I, okay. And so one of the things that I've, uh, I guess a little inside baseball is you and I are old friends and we have a lot of um, conversations with other friends. And one of the things that we discuss every now and then is, it's coffee. Yeah. Uh, and so you recently purchased a an espresso machine. Yeah. And I think, uh, and, and so did I. Like I, I saw you having, <laughs> I saw you having fun. I'm like, oh man, I want an espresso machine too. <laughs> so I did also. Um, and I think there's absolutely like a craft behind that. Um, and so I, I wanted to ask you, like, how has that process been for you? Right. Uh, yeah. It, you don't. I'd say you do have a tangible thing after after you make espresso. Sure, you you drink it and it <laughs> you know <laughs> it's gone two minutes later. But yeah. I'd say you you kind of do. There's definitely a ritualistic aspect to it. Like I've yes. even I've even started referring to it as that, as like as my ritual, which is mm -hmm. whenever I do it, because because you know you are you're preheating the machine, you're weighing mm -hmm. the beans, you're grinding the beans to a certain specification that you've already broken down. Yep. You're like tamping the beans, you're distributing the beans and all of that. And and there's like a, a path to it. And every day it's slightly different. Yes. So yes. because, because the thing is changing so much. So like your beans are aging, mm -hmm. maybe your machine is building up a little more scale every time. Yep. Um, your temperatures are different every time, even though they shouldn't be, they still are, you know, Absolutely. they're within ranges. Your milk steaming is different. So there's something, there, there's definitely something to it that um, uh, there is like a, a skill to it. But yeah. I see it more as like a ritual. You know what I'm saying? It's almost yes. like... yes. I don't know if this is going to be sacrilegious, but it's almost like a prayer. It's like a liturgy type thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. There is absolutely a bit of um, superstition to it too, right? Yeah, it's like, totally. oh man, I, I, I stubbed my toe on the way here. There's no way this is going to be good. Or or even making the coffee like, uh-oh, like it took me an extra five seconds to grind this coffee. This is, this is not going to go well. I can already yeah. tell. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes. it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it feels sometimes like I'm. I'm. It literally feels like I'm doing like a a, a liturgy, like I'm going through the mm -hmm, rosary mm -hmm. or something. You know right, saying? right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you? Do you feel like you've gotten better at the process of brewing espresso? We're, we're just talking about espresso, right? Yeah. Like you. Right now, I'm mostly just doing espresso. Okay. I, I feel like I have, and I feel. Um, like I can tell when it's going to be good, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, I can, I can already tell it's, it's, it's a feeling it's, um, like as soon as it starts dripping out, you can, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is good. Sure. Um, and it, it feels good. Like I said, but I think it's mostly from that, um, a lot of it is derived from that ritual aspect of it. Sure. Cause sure. I'm like, it's how I start my day most days. And if I wake up late and I don't do it right or I rush through it, it doesn't feel the same, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. But I do feel like I've gotten better. The one thing that I, I have to check myself a lot of times is to not be a snob, <laughs> which, yeah, is, uh -huh. which is very difficult because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I grew up 
drinking instant coffee. Same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and right. I, I genuinely, like when I'm home with my parents, that's all I'll drink. Mm-hmm. And when I go to places like for dinner with people or whatever, sometimes I'm like, hey, do you have coffee? Yeah, we got this. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. Do you have instant coffee? Yeah, yeah. I have, I'll have instant coffee. You get what yeah. I'm saying? It's not a big uh-huh. deal. Uh-huh. But now it's a thing where I'm like, um, like I find myself saying like, oh, that's not coffee. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. Which, oh man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hear preaching myself. the choir, Ron. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's the, that's the biggest thing that has changed where it's just like, yeah, I was always kind of snobby because, you know, the whole reason why I got an espresso machine is because I would go to a lot of coffee shops and I realized, mm-hmm. you know, even though they are expensive, eventually this thing is going to pay for itself like within yeah, a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. It, $3 cup of coffee, right? Over yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 365 days. That That's a thousand dollars within a year yeah yeah totally so i just like uh, it makes more sense to just get it <laughs> i have the same thing with uh snobbery and coffee and it's one of those things that i'm constantly trying to check myself with and it's not just coffee it's how i kind of approach life in general <laughs> uh but uh, in general i try not to look down on people's what they like in coffee right mm, like yeah a lot of people i know have keurigs and they love the keurig and that's the yeah. thing that they whenever we go to to my wife's parents house they have a keurig and they offer us keurig um and, and it's fine coffee right it, it's not the best coffee but it's yeah. absolutely drinkable yeah and so i'm i have those mixed feelings right like i'm glad that they have coffee i'm glad that they like coffee yeah I'm happy for them. I think it's kind of good for the industry. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, guys. Like, you don't you don't know what you're missing. Like, <laughs> there's really good coffee out there. And yeah, uh, I guess just people value the convenience more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a it's definitely the way coffee is looked at culturally. Yeah. Because yeah. it's been a commodity for for a long, long time. Like, it, it it's, it's just traded in the commodities exchange like beef or whatever right mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. it's not really seen as as something that can have variety or or specific grain types right. or specific flavor profiles or something like that um so more so recently it's not the case but traditionally and at least like where i grew up it's just like hey coffee's coffee just yeah just right get right, it right. and bring it in so I, I know people have had this conversation like thousands of times but can I ask your feelings on Starbucks? <laughs> so uh, recently Starbucks was involved on this thing that uh, that really sh- triggered my snobbishness. And I <laughs> and I caught myself being a snob uh-huh. because I saw I find I find every time that I go on Facebook, I just get angry. Uh-huh. Uh, so I try not to go on Facebook. <laughs> But I went on Facebook and it's just like a vague acquaintance from 10 years ago that uh-huh. somehow ends up on your sending you a Facebook friend request. Of course. And yes. you accept or whatever. So I'm like going through the feed and I see this person post like one of those boomer memes that is just like, <laughs> eliminate one of these four. Uh-huh. And it's Chipotle, Subway, uh, Taco Cabana, and Starbucks. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, first of all, that's a weird combo of four things or whatever. Absolutely. Like <laughs> three of those things are food. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, but this person said Starbucks because a more expensive cup of coffee doesn't give you more energy. Okay. And I was like, first of all, dude, coffee's not for energy only. Like that's yeah. not what it, it's not. It's not gasoline. Right. <laughs> 
so I, I got like so angry and I like started telling my wife and then I was like, wait, I, I heard myself and I was like, oh man, I was like, but so that's, that's people's take on Starbucks. And a lot of people say, oh, it's expensive coffee. It's not good coffee. Other people say like, oh, it's my favorite coffee or whatever. Yeah. I honestly, like that's the, that's the place where I first had a latte, right? Uh-huh. That's a place where, where, where I first had like a cappuccino, a macchiato, Same. whatever. Um, so I think it's good that there is this type of coffee all over the place. Uh, but I think the problem is when you stay there and it, like too many people just stay there and don't push forward. Oh, exactly. And yes. not only that, but too many people go there and don't drink coffee. Like it's not the coffee that they're going for. They're mm -hmm. going for the... Um, fruit cup. punch tea right. whatever or the, <laughs> or the <laughs> i don't know what it is like the passion fruit uh, and the or the frappuccinos or the uh praline mint whatever it's just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. not actually um coffee and th that's that's my big thing because that I, that's where i got this that's where i went for the first time that i wasn't drinking just instant coffee yes. but then i moved on from there to the point where you're like okay what makes this good you know, and I don't think enough people ask themselves that question about about Starbucks or about Starbucks coffee. You're like, why are they charging more when I could get the same thing mm -hmm. at 7-Eleven? What's the difference? And and that's kind of like how it starts. So that's my big problem with it, that it hasn't really done a lot to educate. Now, they do have Starbucks reserve locations. I don't know if they have one in Austin. No, I've never even heard of this. Yeah. So there is like a, the concept of Starbucks reserve, which is like their higher oh. end thing where you can go have like specialty from like small batches that Starbucks works with individual farmers and mm -hmm. you can have like a fancy pour over or something like that from those batches. And the barista will talk to you about it and all this stuff, but they're still not everywhere and right. they still make most of their money from non-coffee drinks. So I guess not a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think I mirror a lot of the same feelings that you do that people go there and they become comfy with with what Starbucks offers them. And uh, I have other reasons why I don't like Starbucks, <laughs> kind of like how they've the labor laws around it. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, don't get me started on, on that. Uh, I, I was specifically referring to how they've kind of squashed mom and pop coffee places oh, yeah. and things like that. Um, and like I said, generally, I, I'm not going to shit on somebody for liking Starbucks. It's okay, coffee, and it's okay to like, you know, mass-produced coffee, and it, it's it's consistent, and and I totally get that. You want to go somewhere where you know you'll get a good cup of coffee. Um, but I think when it starts to step on the toes of smaller coffee shops, when it starts to, you know, become destructive for the industry is kind of where I have a have a problem with it and you just touched on another thing the, the whole labor thing the, <laughs> the anti anti-unionization thing is yeah. icky feeling and i i tell you just a very complicated feelings about about that side yeah. of the business yeah and i think if it like put on a scale if, if we weigh it i think starbucks has done more bad than good for coffee as a whole um, yeah, that's kind of how I put it down. Yeah, just based on the fact that most people that start drinking Starbucks don't ever end up drinking black coffee. Yeah. And again, I I may be sounding like a snob <laughs> right now. I okay. just I just heard myself, but yep. But I'm just gonna go full snob. If you're Please. not if you're not drinking black coffee, you're really not drinking coffee. 
Okay. All right. I want to have this conversation with you, Rod, <laughs> please. All right. So hear me out on this. Yeah. I absolutely understand the the position of just drinking black coffee. 100% agree with you. I, I wish I was that guy. I wish I was you, Rod. I wish I could enjoy. <laughs> and sometimes I do. Every Every now and then, I will find a coffee where I'm like, this is so good. I don't need to add anything to it. I can enjoy that. But 95% 98% of coffees that I've had, I enjoy it black, but I'm like, I will enjoy this more <laughs> if I can add cream or sugar to it. And, and I know, I know I'm kind of drowning out, especially like in specialty coffee shops, you're, yeah. you're kind of evening out. It's like compression to a song, right? You're, yeah. you're mellowing out the things that make it unique. But I, I think from my perspective, I'm also removing the things that I don't particularly like. For example, like like cold brew coffee. Mm. I think I've come to the conclusion that I just don't like cold brew coffee. <laughs> I love iced coffee. Yeah. I, I just want you to make a coffee and let it come down to room temperature, <laughs> and then I'll add ice to it. But cold brew coffee is just so sour to me everywhere, yeah. everywhere I get it. And so if I can add cream and sugar to that, to remove those those sour notes, uh, I will enjoy that cold brew coffee a lot more. Uh, do you not feel that way? Do you not get like extra enjoyment out of adding cream and sugar? Do you not feel like it can enhance your coffee when you drink a coffee black? I don't think it can enhance it, but Interesting. it can fix it. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, uh -huh. I, I don't, uh -huh. I don't think it necessarily goes from like. Oh, this is this could be made better by this. Mm -hmm. It's like this is bad. I need something <laughs> to kind of to kind of make it a little more palatable. You know okay. what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So I think uh -huh. that's the big difference. It's like the old uh, Texas barbecue thing where it's just like the sauce just hides the meat. Or oh, and I hate that. I hate that <laughs> elitism of no barbecue sauce thing. Yeah, and see again, it it is it totally is is elitist. But the thing is, like. There's people who are like, oh, I love coffee and I have it with hazelnut creamer all the time. Yeah. And oh. it's just like, no, you don't love <laughs> coffee. You love hazelnut creamer. Yeah. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? Because as uh -huh. soon as you pour that in there, you don't taste the coffee anymore. It's just totally, totally overpowers it. Yeah. So it's just like you like the effect of sugar with this caffeine, but you're never really tasting the coffee. Right. So I th I think my my thing is you you have to be able to taste it. Like you you if you're not tasting the coffee you're not you're not really drinking it and it kind of like hinders you because mm -hmm. um you don't get that difference between one bag of beans and another yep. if you're yep. covering it with you know your creamer and your sugar and sure whatever so that's my so, big thing so let me ask what is your what is your daily driver because i know you have that espresso machine are you yeah. just straight up drinking a shot of espresso every day or <laughs> no and see again there is my hypocrisy because most days i want to say like 75 percent of days i'll do a latte mm -hmm. which is milk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of milk is, yeah it's milk and and espresso and then the rest of the days I'll uh -huh. do an Americano, which is espresso and water. And water, yep. And but that's there it. you are watering down. Yeah, I'm your watering espresso. it down the espresso. But yep. I feel like I can still taste it. And when Absolutely. it's and when it's, you know, drip coffee, pour over coffee, it's it's just black. Okay. Okay. That's that's the way it is. And uh I had never 
it's it's and, and it's not one of those things of like oh put some hair on your chest like drink your strong <laughs> coffee strong or yeah, whatever. yeah it's yeah. in fact the opposite it's like i prefer a light roast where you can really get like different notes and things like that from the coffee and that may yep. sound pretentious but until no, you've no, no. tried it that. yeah like <laughs> until you've tried it you get that coffee can be this freaking complex thing that you get all these flavors from right mm -hmm. and it's something that up until maybe what 10 years ago i hadn't experienced you know what i'm saying i still yeah, remember yeah. the i still remember the first time i had a pour over mm -hmm. um that was like ethiopian coffee mm -hmm. and i was like well what's so special about this and the guys are like oh you should hit you should get some like hint of berries and i was like yeah i'm sure dude and i <laughs> drank it and then i was like oh snap what was that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was right yeah. yeah and after that i was just like maybe yeah that's when i started really looking into it so i think that's one of the things that i most enjoy about about coffee that it is it is something that can allow you to go deep into it mm -hmm. so yeah. i think I, I think that's generally me with everything it's just like i appreciate something that allows you to think about it to go deep into it be it movies be it video games be it you know podcasts or whatever i don't like just staying somewhere it's like oh why is this happening or why is it this why does it taste like this why does it feel like this yeah, yeah. and coffee is a is a complex enough drink that it lets me do that can I, uh, do you mind if I ask, does your wife drink coffee? She does not. Oh, okay. <laughs> she and, loves the smell of coffee. Uh-huh. <laughs> and every once in a while, it'll smell so good that she'll be like, let me, let me try it again. Let me try it again. Uh -huh. let, let me taste it. And then as soon as she like hits her tongue, it's like, oh, it's so bitter. It's so strong and whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, no, it's not. She's getting, she, before it used to be this thing where like upon one drop touching her tongue, she would like squirm Winks right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. so it's not that bad anymore and um i actually had maybe the best cup of coffee i've ever had recently yeah i and, wanted i wanted to ask about that yeah Go and ahead. it was so like the taste was so sweet and like fruity and the smell was so fruity that i want her to taste it like okay. i i like and i wanted her to taste it black you know what i'm saying um <laughs> Because okay. I, th I think that cup is good enough <laughs> that it can change her life. Like it, like it most certainly changed mine. <laughs> so let me ask, would you be willing or like emotionally uh, or, you know, however you want to look at it, do you think it would be a net positive if you said, try this coffee with a little bit of hazelnut creamer or whatever? <laughs> no. And, and it might, you know, open the, you know, open the floodgates. Like you get her foot in the door, you, the first one's free. And then after that, you got to start paying for it just so that she at least gets that, that landing zone of like, oh, okay. Yes. I, I see how coffee is enjoyable. And then you can start maybe introducing her to, you know, less less flavored coffees and then eventually make your way to a black coffee. Is that something you would ever consider or is uh, it like, nah, that's that's sacrilege right from the get go? I think uh, <laughs> I think a younger me would have. Okay. But I've I've been perverted by snobbishness <laughs> too much to, to do it. Uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I'd like to think I would, but I 
you're right. Too, I've been I've been hitting her with the deep end with like espresso, just like yeah, hey, try this, right? And especially try the super smells. concentrated coffee <laughs> that I got a special machine to make. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you may be right that that's the path worth approaching. Um, I sh- yeah, I, I should I should go down that path because I do think it would be more enjoyable just to kind of have something else to share with her you get what i'm mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to just me being like this is so good and her being like cool <laughs> uh and sorry i know we're running long here but real quick no, you okay. you mentioned the uh you had one of the best cups of coffee you've ever had tell yeah. me about that so there's a coffee shop here in the dfw area called ascension coffee Mm-hmm. So uh, I know they're listening. Ascension Coffee, please sponsor the show. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, they have this program. Uh, so it's like a normal coffee shop. They also have wines and they have like, it's it's one of those fancy bougie coffee shops, right? Gotcha. Uh, but they have this program called the Cup of Excellence program uh, where they work with individual farmers um, all around the world that grow really good coffee. Um, and by really good, um, it's by something called like, a Q grade. Um, so there's the Coffee Quality Institute, which is an actual organization that exists. Okay. Not not associated with QAnon? <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. Okay. But uh, <laughs> no, the Coffee Quality Institute um, has this standard to, to like grade coffees um, mm-hmm. based on like a 250 point thing or something like that. And it's like olfactory and there's people called Q graders, which are essentially like sommeliers except for coffee for coffee okay yeah and they're the dudes that are the people that can tell you like oh this has hints of blah 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 and everyone agrees with them because you know they have multiple people kind of tasting the same coffee Mm -hmm. and there's a consensus and all that stuff so they grade on a hundred point scale um where i think anything higher than a 80 is considered really good um anything higher than an 85 is considered like exceptional and then anything higher than a 90 is like excellent, like the okay. best coffee or whatever. So when I walked into this coffee shop, I saw their cup of excellence had a coffee from, um, I want to say it was like Finca Romero or something like that. I wrote it down. Let me, I want to give them their just um, Finca Rosma in Guatemala. Okay. And they had a 88.35 score. Damn. Which yeah. is which is really good, right? It's almost a ninety. And <laughs> what is I, that point three five? I that, have no idea. How is that, that averaging or yeah, like I'm, everyone agrees? Like, no, this is not point three six. I was assuming it was an average from like you know the graders. Yeah, that, that yeah. One of them gave him like a eighty nine, and another one gave him like an eighty three. Eighty eight. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yep. So I saw that and I order it. And like I said, I've I've had it before. I've had this type of like fancy coffee before from a single origin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, immediately from when it was given to me, it smelled differently. Mm-hmm. Like just you know you 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 like it, smell your coffee and it usually smells like coffee. <laughs> like coffee, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this smelled like that, but there was also kind of like if you had squirted like apricots in there weird okay. and it was very strange because I, I at first i thought because i got it to go and at first i thought it was just like oh this cup is weird like it's probably like the paper or something mm-hmm. reacting mm-hmm. with it but as soon as i got outside i like took off the top and i 
just like wafted it like one does a chemistry experiment, you know, with their hand. <laughs> when you're titrating something. <laughs> yeah. yep. And it was the coffee. And I was like, <laughs> oh, snap, this is crazy. And then I like took a sip and um, and it tasted like really light coffee. It, it was not heavy at all. It was definitely coffee. But then afterwards, I got this like citrusy thing in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And when I finally swallowed it, there was this sweet aftertaste and it had no sugar. It had no hazelnut creamer. It had no nothing. And I was just like, I kind of just stood there like, wow, what did I just mm-hmm. drink? This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like straight up just standing there outside of a coffee shop. Like <laughs> this is really crazy. What I just, what I just experimented. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was just that. And as it got, as it kind of cooled down, it, the different phases of it kind of hit a little harder. Right, right. So coffee tastes different at different temperatures, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And as it cooled down, the the phases were more defined. And then by the time it was like almost cold, which I was almost done, Mm -hmm. it was just sweet. And it's usually the opposite, right? Usually when you get to the bottom of your cup, it's like all the residue is there. Yeah, the dregs. uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like heavier and nastier. And this one was like, sweeter at the bottom mm-hmm. which is just crazy i've never had anything like it uh i want to have it again it was very expensive <laughs> for a cup of coffee <laughs> right uh, right. but again if you kind of see it in that in that vein of like this is like a fancy wine you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah you, you wouldn't scoff at a pricier cup of wine a hundred dollar bottle of wine yeah. is not unheard of right exactly so it's just like and now I, and i was I've generally have never tasted anything like it. Um, I hope to taste something like it again, but I was a little, um, cause I had heard of these Q graders before and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And this is my first really high rated, high graded cup I've ever had. And it, I gotta admit, it made me a believer in the system. You know? <laughs> oh no, the snobs are right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was just like, you know, I've had good, coffee before uh, but this was very very different and the things that they said were gonna happen actually happened Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and it wasn't confirmation bias because i only looked it up after (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was about to ask like are you sure this wasn't uh what's the other thing the placebo effect where they're like you will taste lemon from this okay you're right it does taste like cherry cola (laughs) (laughs) no it was it was because afterwards i looked it up i was like wait is this supposed to happen or what are the things here right so i tasted like citrus and they said it was supposed to be like limoncello which Mm -hmm. is that Robert, uh, what's his name? Danny DeVito's favorite uh, drink or whatever. He has okay. a line of limoncello, but um, does so, it really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't quite get limoncello, but I got citrus. I got citrus. like lemon. Sure, sure. You know and I'm saying, and I definitely got apricot because I do not like the flavor of apricot, but I like the smell oh, really? of apricots. Okay, okay. I, I, I understand that apricot's yeah. kind of a a weird flavor, especially to incorporate into coffee. Yeah. Um, but I, I can I can understand that. Yeah. I, uh, I had this similar situation where, uh, sorry, as long as we're talking about like our best cups of coffee, uh, we have a, a mutual friend, Rod, who also is very much into coffee. Um, mm. And she, uh, I guess we can name her Bernice. Uh, mm. She's got a, an Instagram account that is her going to different coffee shops. And it, it, it's it's beautiful, right? Like she's going mm. to all these 
different coffee shops. I think she uh, she's here in Austin, and I think she's just going to like local coffee shops. And apparently, we've got a lot. Uh, but <laughs> she recommended this one in particular called Greater Goods Coffee, and I had heard of it, but she spoke really, really highly of this place. Mm. Uh, and I, I had the same experience as you. Uh, I went in wanting, not necessarily being a hater, but being skeptical of it. So I go in and I order a pour over and I kick myself every day now that I didn't like take note of what bean it was. Mm. Uh, but I sat down and I drink the coffee and as I'm drinking it, 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 there's immediately something different about it. I'm like, Oh no, this coffee's really good. <laughs> and I keep drinking it. And I'm like, I think this is one of the best coffees of my life. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, how often do you get to say that, that you have yeah. one of the best experiences of your life? Yeah. Um, it, it affected me so deeply, Rod, that I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I've told this story before, but I was in my bed, my wife's asleep, and I'm just sitting there thinking about this coffee. And I'm like, I will never make coffee that good. What is, <laughs> what is the point of ever me trying? I will never achieve what has been achieved with this coffee. Um <laughs> And so I've been back to greater good since, and and I keep trying to recreate it, but I don't think that they switch out their beans all the time, right? Yeah. But I don't think I I've been able to find that same bean again, or or maybe it was just you know the 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 stars aligned and and this specific barista was working or something. Yeah. But it was just a, an awe an awing experience for me, and I just. I'm so interested to hear when other people also say like what the best cup of coffee of their life was or, or you know, the best food they had. Um, yeah. it, it was, it was honestly just one of those things where it, it gave me that existential crisis, right? <laughs> like, well, what's the point, Andy? Your, your stuff is shit compared to this. Um, but it's, it, it I'm with you, Rod. Like it, it's definitely special when you can find like the best cup of coffee of your life. Yeah, and see, that's what's cool about this Q grading system mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because in order for the the coffee to be graded, it can only be from like one batch from one grower in one mm -hmm. location. Like it can't be mixed or whatever. Yep. So, yep. and that has to be documented throughout the whole process. So, in effect, you know where it came from, so you can yes. seek it out again. So like now I know like Finca Rosma in Guatemala has gave me the best cup I've ever had. And I can see how the next year's compares to this one. Or the yeah, so I was going to say that you, you got to be careful with that, right? Because yeah. like conditions change. The next yeah. year might be a lot drier or yeah. it might be a lot rainier and, and the beans just didn't come out the same. Uh, yeah. And like you said, it, it's like wine, right? Like, yeah. Uh, sommeliers have to keep all that stuff in mind and winemakers have to keep all that stuff in mind yeah of, like how much rain and, and temperatures and things like that fluctuate um but do you know how you even become a q tester there it, it's there's an exam so there's a there's a course <laughs> okay there's a course and then an exam so you get classes and you can be two types of q grader you're uh the like the Q, the Q grader, I guess, is for <laughs> is for Arabica beans. Okay. And then there's the R grader, which for, is for Robusta, Robusta beans. Uh -huh. okay. And apparently it's easier to be a Robusta guy because, you know, there's not as complex or whatever. But the um, the Arabica one is like a really, it, it's like 22 tests. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, or something like that. And you got to get your... 
uh, your thing, like your license renewed every three years. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's a whole olfactory thing. And, you know, they give you triangulations to see if you can actually um, pick out which coffee is what, like they'll wow. tell you this coffee is supposed to have these three notes and they'll give you three different cups and tell you only one of them is that one. Okay. And you're supposed to like, the, the way they cup, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's pretty funny. They kind of like mm-hmm. slurp coffee, swirl it around their mouth and then spit it out. Yeah. Um, so like wine tasting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could do that. I, I, I looked into like maybe getting into it, but I was like, no way. For starters, <laughs> it's really expensive and, uh, I'm a snob, but not that big of a snob. Right. Yeah, there's there's a level of snobbery <laughs> that you kind of you hit your level of snobbery, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think if I told them that I that I generally enjoy a cup of Folgers with my dad, they'll probably kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even think of a fine again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gotta excommunicado from the Coffee Quality Institute. But no, yep. yeah, it's it's a thing. And uh it's actually it was born of the merger of the specialty coffee association of america with mm-hmm. the specialty coffee association of europe so oh, coffee okay. snobs across the ocean <laughs> merged with ours Unites. <laughs> yeah. yeah united to come up with the q grading system so yeah okay have you ever tried sorry you mentioned cupping have you ever tried cupping before no i've only seen it <laughs> like I me said, too and i was like yeah uh no i can't do that <laughs> i i have this this like fascination with ultra coffee snobs i don't know if you follow him on youtube but there's this one guy james hoffman i follow him on tiktok <laughs> okay oh really okay yeah. i don't know he's on tiktok too I think, is it, um, he's the english guy right 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 yeah, oh, yeah yeah the english guy uh mega mega coffee snob but you know he's not a he's not a dick about it or anything yeah. but he did this one video about cupping uh and and you know, your YouTube al- algorithm keeps recommending videos and it's like James Hoffman with cupping. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care what that is. And then one day I'm like, what is cupping? I I thought I know what knew what cupping is, but I don't know what it is. And it's this whole process where, you know, like you put dry coffee into a cup and then you pour water. And then there's this, this process of like spooning out a little bit at a time. And I'm just like, Oh man, I, I don't know about this. (laughs) I think that's my level of snobbery too, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, who's to say maybe in three years, you'll see me there with my little baby spoon, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Wait, do you not have a little baby spoon Uh, or do you mean like one of those cupping spoons? Yeah. One of those cupping spoons. Okay. Okay. Um, Going through that thing, but yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I could do it. I, I think I've reached my level of snobbery in, in, in at least knowing what cure grading is and <laughs> being able to talk about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it's a good thing. I think yeah. because, like I said, now I know what beans from that farm in Guatemala taste like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can go get them from that farm in Guatemala as opposed to getting them from Starbucks or right, right. Uh, Stumptown or whoever. I mean, Stumptown, yep. Stumptown has a similar program, but... Yeah, I don't have to like just get them from the Starbucks Sumatra blend or whatever. And I think the more that that happens, the better it is, especially because coffee is grown like it only grows in marginalized areas, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It grows in Mexico and Brazil yeah, that's so and Guatemala. Right? In yeah, and the Yemen. Middle East. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. Qatar and, yeah. and yep, Ethiopia. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's so interesting. I've never realized that until you just said it. It's like, oh yeah, man, I can see why these uh, fair trade coffee things are such a big deal because it literally is all coming from marginalized areas. Yeah, and the closer you can oh, get wow. to giving money to the person that actually picked it Directly. from a tree, right, the, right. the better it is for everyone. And that's how I justify my snobbishness, where it's just totally. like, you know, I'm helping out a farmer that, and I'm tasting it. I'm not tasting the creamer that came with it. I'm drinking his product and helping him out and, or her out. And yeah, yeah. that's, that's how I justify it. <laughs> and, and I think this kind of goes back to, to loop it all around with our Gundam uh, discussion also is I think in particularly our, our millennial generation, there's this, um, there's this craving for authenticity, right? And, and mm. craving for helping the little guy out a little bit more. Mm. I, I think we grew up in the in the '90s, seeing corporate America kind of take over take over our neighborhoods, right? Chili's moves in, and <laughs> and Starbucks moves in, and and Barnes and Nobles moves in and closes down all the mom and pop restaurants and coffee shops and bookstores and. It, it got really out of hand when the hipsters were <laughs> at yeah. the height of their popularity, right? Where people are like, oh, I, I've known this band forever and I listened to them on on <laughs> on uh, vinyl and, and things like yeah. that. But I, I think deep down there's a, a lot of real good value to craving authenticity, to craving, you know, helping a, a small restaurant or to helping in your case, like you're saying, like this one coffee farmer who he's doing the work, right? Like yeah. he's, he's growing the coffee, he's harvesting it, he's packaging it up and, and sending it out. And if I can cut out some CEOs <laughs> profits from a multinational corporation and, and hand that directly to the, the little guy who put in all the hard work, like that's, there's definitely value in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing is too much, too many things have been commodified. Too many mm -hmm. things have been seen as purely, you know, profit uh, or like capital projects yeah, right. that to see something like coffee as a food, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. With distinct characteristics ranging from one place to the other. I mm -hmm. think that also does a great a service to the people that work in it because they're not just working in capital generating things they're producing something with the character mm -hmm. and it gives it a lot more i don't know dignity maybe that's yeah, the wrong absolutely. word to put but yeah it's dignity. no I, I don't think so at all like this is someone's life's work that they're putting into it and mm -hmm. the least we can do is respect it by <laughs> by appropriately compensating them for that so, yeah and by not yeah. putting mint in it uh, or, uh, <laughs> or, or cream and sugar yeah. Or caramel on the bottom of the cup or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Andy, anything else you want to let our listeners know before we close out about Gunpla or about coffee? Because this became a very in-depth conversation. I know. Yeah, sorry. No. Uh, Gunpla, if you have a passing interest in it, I I'd say try it. You can find one. Despite what I was just saying, people will always choose convenience over anything else. You can find Gunpla on Amazon. Uh, and all you really need is like a, a set of clippers and maybe an exacto knife, but super easy, super fun. 
super relaxing hobby to get into. So it's also very welcoming. Like there, there's a lot of good inspiration and a lot of good communities out there and generally very positive. I, I don't think I've ever seen someone shit on someone else's gunpla. <laughs> so if you have any passing interest in it, I'd say give it a try. Like, especially if you like, like doing Legos and want to try something else. Uh, in regards to coffee, again, I'm not going to shit on you for liking coffee. I'm just glad that you like <laughs> coffee. But if you have a chance, same thing. Uh, maybe there's a coffee shop, a little local coffee shop that you pass by every day. Maybe give that a chance too. You, you never know. <laughs> you might find like one of the best cups of your life. Yeah. And I guarantee you that cup will be black. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Andy. Thanks yeah. for, uh, for talking with me about, about Gunpla and about, and for indulging me in my snobbery of coffee. Hopefully I don't get canceled or Neil Young <laughs> tells people that uh -oh. he either drinks coffee with hazelnut or not at all. <laughs> yep. It's either Neil Young or Rod. Pick one. <laughs> but, uh, thanks. Uh, and to you, the listener, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, share it with a friend. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or podchaser.com and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.